I've been given the subject today that, uh, well, I can't, uh, I, don't, I don't have the privilege that uh, <laughs> Alan may have had with angelology to uh, maybe have just uh, a little bit of time on the doom and gloom part <laughs> with the um, um, bad or demon angel part. Uh, this is uh, pretty much um, all not so pleasant stuff to discuss or to think about. And uh, so um, we will delve into it. I am delving into the middle of what I would have seen in the subject of Hamar theology, which will be coming up uh, as soon as we're done with anthropology, as soon as pastor is finished. So I'm kind of taking the middle out of out of hamartiology. So um, I'm not going to, as I wrote there, uh, I'm not going to just go through the definitions or the origin of sin that we will deal with when we get to hamartiology. Today we're going to discuss uh, just the the fall of man. So if you want to turn with me to Genesis chapter 1 to begin, uh, a little bit of review. So Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, and we will read there, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth." So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb, bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you it shall be for meat and to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life I have given every green herb for meat and it was so and God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So as a matter of, of review, um, looking at the phrase where God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, we discussed that, I believe it was last week, and how, um, going on to verse 27, God created man in his own image. And the point that I want to Review or to bring out is actually in verse 31 where he said it was very good. Um, there was no sin at this point. Sin was not part of the picture at this point. He said it was very good. And why do I make that point? To make the point that God did not create sin. God allowed for man's 
choice for um, man to make a moral choice. He did not create sin. And thus, at the end of chapter 1, it was very good. Moving on to chapter 2 and verse 15, we see God's prohibition to Adam in verse 15 where it says, And the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So some things in uh, that verse. God put... Adam into the garden to dress it and to keep it. Now I think there's if we can use our sanctified imaginations just a little bit um, there are several people in this room that dress and keep their gardens during the summer and to try and um, think about what it was like for Adam different than it is for us today, obviously. Uh, (laughs) What we pull up with uh, for weeds and such to him, uh, they were not weeds. And so any comments on that as you guys at Garden, um, any imaginations that uh, you can share? And we'll get there. But yes, <laughs> that's that's all right. That is fine, um, Loretta. I am bound, determined to call you Talitha this morning. I don't know why, but sorry. So, but the uh, the main thing that I want to bring out in this section is God's prohibition to Adam, and that's in verse seventeen. And we need to, because of what's coming up. In a little bit, we need to be very precise in what we see here, where God tells him, what does God tell him? Okay, he tells him, you, you shall surely die, but why? He tells him not to eat of the tree. And that's important because uh, it'll come up later. I'll just say that. Um, he says, thou shalt not eat of it. For in that day, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Moving on to verse 18, we see that God made woman from Adam. In verse 18 it says, And God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground... The Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, And he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, 
and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh, and they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. The interesting um, point there is the last phrase in verse 25, where it says they were not ashamed. There was no sin at this point. Sin had not entered um, the world at that point. And so they were not ashamed. Um, At this point, we can see that, and it actually was in uh, Genesis 2-3, I believe as I looked at it, uh, where creation was actually finished, and there's no sin. So I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, so to speak, but I just want it plain and clear that God did not create sin. It wasn't part of creation. Any thoughts, comments? I'd say questions, but I couldn't probably couldn't answer them if you did. But any thoughts? Okay. Well, let's move on to uh, number two, Eve's sin. And beginning in chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eye, eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And I'll stop there. So, in this section, we see the deception of Satan uh, presented to Eve uh, through the serpent. And... I don't know about you, and I don't want to make any, I'm not here to make excuses, but um, at a point that a snake or a serpent talked to me, I would probably sit up and take notice. Um, Not something that uh, she had probably seen before, and not something I've ever seen or expect to ever see. Um, But uh, at any rate... Uh, she obviously her attention was drawn to that serpent that was speaking and that was letter a letter b by discrediting god's goodness uh, satan deceived her by discrediting god's goodness uh, fruit 
in, in so many words, he was saying fruit was made to eat and God won't let you eat it? You mean he's going to dangle this beautiful fruit in front of you and he's, he's not going to let you eat it? And so he was discrediting God's goodness. I mean, there are so many seemingly good things dangling out in front of us day by day that do we see that and miss all of God's goodness over here and all these things that he does provide. And so that's in a sense where he was uh, discrediting God's goodness. He also, in letter C, discredited God's integrity by saying, uh, this is only a threat. God doesn't mean what he says. When he said, you shall not surely die, he was discrediting God's command that where God said, thou shalt surely die. What did God mean? God meant, you will die. And somehow Satan, through this, was discrediting God's integrity and um, causing her to think that God does not mean what he says. And then, letter D, by discrediting God's intention with a suggestion. In verse 5, he suggests that God is selfish. He does not want you to be like him. God doesn't want you to know all the things he knows. Can I, in reality, suggest in a right way, I don't really want to know all the things he knows? Why, why would I desire that? I, I don't know. But that's what Satan... Um, discredited God's intention. His intention was not to withhold, but to bless with all this. And a part I didn't bring out was when Eve responded, she added the phrase, neither shall he touch it, lest he die. God never said that. He said, that not to eat of the tree. So I don't know. That may be a fine line. I'm, I won't be, and I like to steal Alan's phrases. I won't be dogmatic about that, but um, it just seems like a little bit was added there. You're, you're bringing out a, a, another good point in that she did not have this first-hand knowledge. It wasn't said, God didn't say it to her. He said it to Adam. And then Adam passed it on to her. So, um, and that's part of the point that it is made that she was, she was deceived by the serpent, by Satan. Uh, she's and and that is a good point. Don't don't tempt yourself by cutting that fine line. I just wanted to bring it out. That's okay. Go ahead. And you know we don't know. Obviously, don't know that. I just saw that as an as an added phrase. It was not in the original um, text. Um, that's. I don't mean not in the original text of the Bible. I mean what God originally said to Adam. 
And so, at any rate, she sought to satisfy her natural desire by desires by taking and eating, but she was deceived, and she did not experience the benefits Satan and the fruit had to offer. Um, things didn't come about the way the serpent Satan said they were going to. Um, I don't know if the fruit was bitter or not, but um, it certainly was not all that she had expected that it would be. As I noted there, there there's some interesting parallels. We won't take the time to go to Matthew chapter 4, where the temptations of Christ, but there are some interesting parallels there that you can uh, look at as you have time. Let's go on to Adam's disobedience, and that is in chapter 3 and verse 6b, where it says, And gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Adam was not deceived. Adam knew what God had said. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 14 says those exact words as well, and and Adam was not deceived. B, he was full of knowledge of the consequences. He accepted his wife's offer and deliberately sinned. He deliberately went against what God had told him not to do. And sin entered mankind. Verse or letter C. Adam's sin was outright disobedience. And we see that in Romans chapter 5 and verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the, diso- by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Let me say that again since I stumbled all through it. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So sin entered uh, the world. Could Adam have not accepted that fruit? Yeah, he, he could have not accepted it. And he could have then allowed God to deal with what Eve had done. Um, but he chose to be disobedient and to partake of the fruit. So, um, <clears throat> number four, their sin's immediate effects. Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. And the eyes of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? So we see the exact opposite of what we saw in Genesis 2.25, where it said they were not ashamed. Now they're ashamed. So we see the immediate effect of sin. Letter A, a sense of guilt. Number one, they became 
aware of their nakedness. Number two, they had feelings of fear. And three, they tried to hide and cover their nakedness. So they obviously, since they were trying to hide themselves from God, were afraid of however you, whatever, however you want to word that. Whether it be the consequences of what they had done, um, they, they had a sense of guilt. Any comments or thoughts at that point? Buddy, okay. B, spiritual death. They died spiritually when they sinned. Genesis 2.17, where God says, The day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Their spiritual relationship with God was severed. Uh, choosing to sin, they became sinners and began to experience a different kind of existence characterized by spiritual death, guilt, and fear. And I read through verse 9, verse 10, says, And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So they began an experience to experience a different kind of existence than they had before because of their guilt, because of sin, because of their guilt, and because of their spiritual death, their separation uh, from God um, in, in their spiritual relationship. <clears throat> Any thoughts or comments? <clears throat> I realize this is an overview and not digging in a lot. I think we've seen in Scripture a few other people who have tried that and it didn't work real well for them either. The question is, do we learn from it ourselves? And I, yeah, it's hard to fathom, um, hard for us to even imagine because we, we have no idea what the Garden of Eden was like before we have what we have now, but yes. Um, they died <clears throat> died spiritually. They lost many things. And so then uh, to continue with the immediate effects, the total corruption of the human nature. Um, their sinning brought, sinning brought about the total corruption of their human nature, which ultimately led to physical death. Uh, Genesis 3.19 says, In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And then Genesis 5.5, And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. So, it was a ruinous change. That will fill your blank, the word ruinous. It was a ruinous change that now gave them a bent and a capacity towards sinful actions, thoughts, feelings, and the like. So it was a total change of 
perspective, we can only begin to imagine. And you know, I, I said that this is all, quote, doom and gloom, because it's all uh, the... On the surface, the dark side of of Scripture. If I can say it that way, I want to be careful how I say that, but what Shane's going to share with us one of these days in soteriology is the bright side, and, and we can see that and understand that as we walk through this. So don't let this um, be a bummer, if you will, but realize what God has done to overshadow or to replace, I'm not sure the right word there, uh, could get in trouble with <laughs> those words, but you try. You understand what I'm trying to say, that um, there is a bright side. Thank you, and, and that, is, that is what I was trying to say, and, but in better, better words, so thank you. The Holy Spirit regenerates our heart. We get a hint of what yes. Adam and Eve experienced before sin Yes. And you know, as we walk through our days, as we mingle with those who we come into contact with, it brings about responsibility in, in our lives to share with them so that they too can realize that and, and enjoy that. So yeah, there's a lot there. So moving on, because the clock does not stop. Number five, <laughs> the sin's future effects, Genesis 3, 9 through 13. Um, so we already read 9 and 10, verse 11, and he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. So we see this back and forth. We see the results of their sin, even though they tried to pass the blame, would bring judicial effects on their guilt. So letter A, we see God's sentence on Eve in, Gal- in Galatians. <laughs> Genesis three sixteen, where he said unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. So we see sorrow and con- conception. We see a continued subjection of her will to her husband. And there's a couple of verses there that you can look up uh, if you have time later. And then we see God's sentence on Adam in verses 17 through 19, where it says, And Adam, and unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shall 
thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So we see that man's work became sorrowful toil as a result of the curse upon the ground. So obviously when he was dressing and taking care of the garden, that was not... Um, that was, or it was joyful. It was uh, he enjoyed it. It was, it was perfect. It, uh, he didn't see it as work, but now, it would be sorrowful because of the curse of the ground. And those uh, good plants became some of them weeds that we look at as weeds today, and so on and so forth. And then also man's body would return to the dust. There would be physical death as a result. So um, the future effects of sin, any comments at that point? I, I want to say I know there's a lot of jokes and fun things said back and forth about the um, um, way that Adam and Eve answered and passed the blame and so on. And, and I'm staying away from them because they really don't add to what we're doing today. In fact, we could go to the part where we're in the palm of his hand and uh, we're held there So, as his children. So the fall's effect on the serpent, and I've got to get done here quick. Um, verse 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. So the serpent was cursed above all the cattle and beasts, worse than they were, and he was to crawl on his belly, a sign of defeat and degradation. And then, quickly, the fall's effect on Satan in verse 15. Uh, he will ultimately be defeated. Genesis 3.15 says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Uh, Christ died in our place, providing payment of this sin debt. And Satan will ultimately be defeated. And then a quote I shared with you at the end. You probably maybe have, have heard it before, uh, but I thought I'd put it there at the end for you as something to consider. Nope. All right, let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this section of Scripture that uh, you so plainly show us uh, what took place and and what has uh, affected the life that we now live. And that, Lord, thankful that uh, Scripture didn't stop there, but uh, that it goes on to show us the victory that we can have through your Son, Jesus Christ, who paid the price uh, that we could not pay for this debt of sin, uh, that he was holy and blameless, and uh, that he was came and, and lived a perfect life and died in our place and paid this debt. And Lord, we 
we need to remember that daily, moment by moment, and be thankful for what he did and to respond to you in a way that is uh, pleasing in your sight. And so we just uh, thank you. We pray that if there is somebody here today that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, that, Lord, you'd work in their hearts, help them to see um, this uh, position of being dead in sin and yet to open their eyes to understand that uh, Jesus Christ died in their place and he is the only way through him that they can come to know uh, him as their personal Savior and to have eternity in heaven. And so we just commit that to you, praise you, pray you'd go with the services to follow and bless them according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen.